I'm Nadelle, and I want to welcome you to Beyond the Booty podcast. I have a passion to see women thrive and take control of our health, our hearts, our identity, and our life. This podcast will focus on identity, relationships, faith, health, and so much more. It will be a place where women are encouraged to discover our worth and empowers us to thrive whole and healed in a society that celebrates brokenness. I'm so happy you've joined the conversation. Welcome to Beyond the Booty. Today we're going to be reading what to say and what not to say to someone going through shit. 15 things you should never say to someone who's going through cancer or illness and five ideas for what would actually work better. Look, we've all been there. You hear that someone you love is sick or has a diagnosis and you instantly Google, how do I encourage someone with fill in the blank? I've done it a dozen times myself before I was on the receiving end. In 2015, my husband, Matt, went through a hard battle with cancer, and although he's now in heaven having a blast, that period of time taught me a lot about what not to say to others who are fighting, battling, and surviving. The first and most important thing to remember is that people are inherently well-meaning and they want to help. That is why nothing that was ever said to me was taken with any offense. I often laughed and shook my head at how ridiculous we can be as humans when we intend to love those around us. It's tough for everyone when someone we love is battling illness, loss, or is hurting. We just want details and we want to share the burden. I I get it. I've been guilty of asking so much of what I'm going to share today. I hope that this post will bring you joy. Laughter is one of the most incredibly healing things that we can do for ourselves and nothing beats a good belly laugh amid difficult seasons. So here it is, a breakdown of what not to say, ever, like never ever, and a few tips on what will work better in your quest to love well. Number one, don't share your negative dreams. Saying something like, I had a dream about you guys last night. It was really bad. You died. I'm so glad you're okay. Hmm. Okay, great. This isn't encouraging or life-giving. I get that you're relieved that you got a hold of me and were alive, but some things are best kept between you and Jesus. This leaves me evaluating your ability to see into the future. Was this dream supposed to be a message? Now I have to stop and pray and encourage myself, finally determining that you're wrong and that it was just a dream and you're probably not prophetic. Oh, and I have to make you feel okay because your dream experience left you in a panic. People who are battling illness and their direct caregivers rarely have energy for this while going through the season. Sometimes we do, but mostly we don't. Sharing death dreams will likely make us ignore you in the very near future. Number two. Don't ever ask the very obvious questions of, are you okay? I rarely responded to the question. In fact, it still makes me cringe, mostly because those who are surviving from day to day don't know how to answer this question. I'm always okay. Jesus is real. He's present. I trust him, but I'm probably also not okay. How do I relay the hour-to-hour emotions, battles, warfare, the overwhelming feelings, the surrender, the tears, yelling at God while thanking God, punching walls, screaming into pillows, praying, and then not being able to form a prayer all into a text bubble? It's an impossible question to answer. This one likely won't get an answer. Tell me instead that you're carrying us in prayer, that you love me, that you're speaking God's truth, and that you're sending food. 
anything other than a question that will only give you a glimpse into one single moment. Which takes me to number three. Don't ask, how are you feeling? This question makes us spin out of control. The person will want to answer, but only for your sake so that you can move on in the moment. It's another one of those impossible questions. Here's the thing. There's symptoms, there's good moments, really bad moments, and then there's mediocre moments. Your text captures one glimpse of a thousand more to come in any given day. If you text in a decent moment, then you're satisfied and you send me back a red heart or a praise God hands emoji back. Then I turn to my husband as his caregiver, who's now groaning in pain, and I go into battle mode with him. I just unintentionally lied to you. If I tell you, well, he's not well, you're likely to send back a depressed emoji or you're instantly going to call because you want to know more. While we're battling, you're now sending seven follow-up bubbles of questions and you're concerned. I don't want to continue to focus on talking about or giving energy to all of these moments because they are constant and they're hard to relive. This is by far one of the worst questions. It's an impossible scenario. While your loved one is going through something, this question can be burdensome. So leave it out. Number four, don't say, I don't want to talk about me because what you're going through is so much bigger. Actually, let's talk about anything but me. Our entire existence is consumed with dealing with what's at hand every single second. Trust me, it's a welcome distraction to hear about your workout, your light fixtures, or how your baby threw up on you. Just don't go on for two hours either. We're also mentally exhausted most days. Also, when you put a spotlight on how serious our situation is, it makes us feel hopeless. Life going on around us provides hope and excitement for what's possible. So don't be afraid to support your loved one, but being in a depressed state where all we talk about is disease or illness makes us feel like freaks. Number five, don't suggest all of the places that you've heard of across the country or across the world that we should try. Saying something like, my friend's daughter's friend's uncle had cancer and he went to the Cancer Center of America The closest one to use in Arizona? Yeah, don't say that. Or better yet, there's a guru in Malaysia that heals all cancers and you should go. I read it online. Have you tried that? Actually, no. We did, however, try Cedar sinai UCLA, City of Hope, and three other places within a normal life-maintaining distance. We went with one of those. Please respect that the person that's ill and their closest family members are doing all that they can to balance many things, including kids, jobs, finances, faith, and what to do about their health. It's not possible to seek out every single suggestion, and you're not the only one making them. It's also financially not possible in most cases to try everything. Unless you personally had success with an organization, guru, or any other method, please don't share Google information, WebMD, or what you found while researching that condition. Number six, stop sharing all your Google research, especially if it's not medically sound. And by sound, I mean it's been researched, published, and from a reliable source. Saying something like, I found this online. If you drink three date shakes with flax seeds and eat six lima beans, it's supposed to stop cancer from spreading. No, I'm serious. I'm sending over 77 pages for you to read. 
Um, this will not get read. If I'm going to read 77 pages of anything, it's going to be the Bible. And if the Lima bean cure was real, I would think that this would be national news. I love you, but no. Number seven, don't share your own religious views. You might be thinking that this is hypocritical and maybe even harsh. After all, sharing the truth and love of God is one of the most encouraging and beautiful things that you can do. I agree. Sharing about the love and hope of Christ in difficult situations is life-changing. The word of God is full of hope and healing and radical truth that is encouraging and has carried me personally through everything. However, sharing your own version of what you understand, which may or may not be biblically sound, takes the simplicity of who God is and might pervert the message based on your own opinions. Saying something like, so why do you think Matt isn't healed yet? Do you guys need to forgive anyone? Is insulting. My face goes blank. I pause. I breathe. I count to 10. You know, all the stuff people tell you to do to calm down. When I finally regain my internal composure, I have to now forgive you for your annoying question. I mean, for real, it's making me want to become violent. Then I will have to repent for being annoyed with you to keep myself clear of any distractions that may hinder my ability to actually hear from God. You just created more work. Thanks for nothing. By the way, these crisis moments bring one to a place of uncovering everything from works to faith to rest to authority to questioning God to listening to everything God is saying to us personally. I've learned that God isn't cookie cutter. He's simple and he's creative. He's also deeply intimate and personal. Step away from your own beliefs and stick to the simple truth of what Jesus did in most instances. He loved. You'll win by loving instead of condemning every single time. Number eight, don't share stories of people who have been battling the same illness for 17 years. I left social media during the time when Matt was battling cancer because it was overwhelming for me and we were in a fight for his life. I once got the following message. Hey, I know you're not on Facebook anymore. Here's a post from my friend's mom who's been fighting cancer for 17 years. I thought it would encourage you. Please share with Matt with six screenshots to follow. We are absolutely exhausted and the hope that is keeping us going is that there might be an end in sight. This is one of those moments that will result in hold the picture down, check, 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 delete. There's a reason I'm not on Facebook. Someone fighting cancer for 17 years isn't encouraging. I'd long have preferred to go home to be with Jesus. Some days I wondered if another hour was tolerable and if being in heaven was a better option. Don't worry, I'm not suicidal. I'm tired AF though. We'd prefer a story of miraculous sudden healing at the hand of Jesus. That I can get behind. A short two-minute, 46-second YouTube video works best. Number nine, don't share content that is otherworldly right now. Timing is everything, folks. In the midst of illness, death is a real possibility for that person. And whether they're hopeful and bubbly or not, they have thought about their death. Saying, I bought you a book about miracles from heaven. It's about people who've died and they communicate for, for, with their loved ones. 
Um, yeah, no thanks. I'm gonna communicate with my husband from the couch, but thank you. Number 10, don't state the obvious about treatment or process. What do I mean by that? Nothing about the process of surviving is the equivalent of a trip to Disneyland. Saying, chemo, that sucks, so how's it going? Uh, you just unknowingly delivered a two for one. First of all, it does suck. Thanks for pointing that out. Secondly, it's going constantly two weeks on and two weeks off. Is that what you were asking? Cause I'm guessing you didn't really want to report on whether the IV sticking out of his chest is enjoyable. And if prognosis is what you're really after, I address that next. Number 11. So what's the prognosis? Don't ask this question. Often the prognosis might not be good. It might not be positive, and it might have painted a very dim picture for the future. It's okay to want to know, but be careful how you approach this. If the person wants to tell you that the prognosis is bad or they want to share the good news, they will. Let them do it in their timing. Sometimes they don't want to deliver the news because it creates a lot of emotion for everyone around them. Other times, people want to share everything about every doctor visit. Respect whatever they choose and simply let news come to you without probing for it. Number 12, don't say things like, you guys are so strong. God wouldn't have given you this if you couldn't handle it. Actually, this statement makes me have to stop and go theology on you. God doesn't give illness. This is not of God and God doesn't nearly kill people to teach them something. So now I'm preaching. Yes, so many amazing, strong, beautiful people get sick, but let's not blame God in the midst for illness or suggest that he makes us all sick to teach us lessons or to see what we can handle. However, God has made beautiful things out of all of my dust and he uses everything. Number 13, don't share sermons, messages, or TED talks that take weeks to absorb or digest. Someone sent me something saying, I think you'll enjoy this teaching and preaching. Well, that's exciting. I open it. It's a 10 hour long series. Um, I haven't slept in eight months. If I had 10 hours between a full-time demanding job and figuring out what to do about my husband who's puking into the kitchen sink, I'd rejoice and then I'd go to sleep. Share short items and provide a synopsis in 100 characters or less. Basically, Twitter that message. Number 14, not everyone wants to blog about cancer. Look, we all cope differently. Some of us are painfully private while others find hope through sharing their journey. Respect each person and don't project what you would do or what others have done. Saying you should write a blog so that way people can follow you and see what's going on so that way you don't have to talk about it. My friend who just had cancer documented everything in a blog and people follow her there. Let me think about this. You want me to document every single moment of this so I can relive it, answer even more questions and focus on every symptom that actually sounds like hell to a lot of us. And number 15, saying something like, if you ever need anything, I'm here, just call. It's really difficult when you're battling illness or going through a difficult journey to one, know what you need, two, reach out proactively, and three, get over feeling like a burden.
This is a really well-meaning question, but likely won't ever be fulfilled because it requires the person to have to come to you. I love where your heart is here. But don't just say this and then not reach out for weeks or even months, assuming that the person obviously doesn't need anything. Both the sick person and their immediate caregivers need support. This is the time where friendships are lopsided and that's okay. You are going to give more than you receive. But then again, we don't give to receive. We give because we've been given much. Okay, beautiful soul. Here are five simple things to keep in mind to make you the one that is helpful and not burdensome. Number one, reach out. Send short texts reminding the person that they're being loved, cared for, thought of, being prayed for. You may even want to send a funny meme, a Bible verse, an encouraging one, a short, silly video, anything that brings hope and reminds the person that they're on your heart and mind. Text often. I can't express this enough. When news first breaks, lots of texts come through, but the longer the illness or process goes on, people forget, they drop off, they stop remembering. Look, it's normal. We're all busy. But set reminders for yourself if you have to. It only takes a minute to send a text. It means the world to the person so that they don't feel alone and forgotten. This could absolutely shift their day. The important thing to remember is not to ask a bunch of questions listed above or make all of the suggestions you have. Less questions, more statements. Statements that are full of hope and that are very encouraging. Number two, take action. If someone is sick, plan a visit. You pick the date and run it past them. Offer to come and sit with them during a procedure, during chemo, drive them to their doctor's office, send a gift card from Amazon or their favorite grocery store, have groceries delivered, plan an outing and go to lunch so you can change up their environment. But be flexible in understanding of cancellations or the need to end sooner than you thought. Relieve the caregiver for a weekend and step all the way in. You can plan a Netflix night or takeout evening. Action where you plan it out is the best. It makes it easy on the person who's sick and allows them to simply say yes or no. Number three, pick up the phone and dial. We live in a text age, so no one thinks about calling anymore, but nothing beats a call. When you call, ask what they're doing. This gives you a quick glimpse into their moment. If they're sitting in chemo and you say, hey, how are you? This question becomes challenging to answer. Tell them that they were on your mind and you wanted to call and let them know. Ask if you can plan a visit. If they don't answer, leave a nice voicemail about how they're on your mind and that you're calling to send your love and prayers. Then call again and again and again. Not all in the same day, but weekly might be okay. Leave voicemails every time. This isn't the time to take a no call back personally. People who are going through shit are tired. They're overwhelmed and they're literally sick oftentimes. They're doing their best. They're not ghosting you on purpose. They love your voicemails. Number four, packages sent with love. Nothing is more exciting than receiving a gift in the mail. And it doesn't have to be expensive. You can send a handwritten card, a magazine, a candle, or a book about anything other than their illness. Send coffee, candy, or a blanket. It really doesn't matter. Gifts are a beautiful way to show you care and that your loved one is being thought of and carried in your heart. 
Don't send huge packages of things that look good in a basket but are not useful. In essence, sausages. Basically, keep it simple. Pray with and for the person. This is perhaps the most powerful thing. People who are battling illness often welcome any kind of prayer and well wishes. There's something so amazing that happens when you hold someone's hand or touch their shoulder and speak out their name to Jesus. It brings in hope. Okay, I hope that this brought you laughs and that it gave you some ideas too. If you need prayer, please comment on my blog or leave me a comment here so that I can pray for you. Also, this is my personal opinion. Each person is unique and some might love questions that give them an outlet to answer. So take the time to really see and understand how your loved one wants to be supported. If you're dense at picking up hints like I can be, just go ahead and ask them how they want to be supported. Thank you for listening. 